listening to sermon audio from First Baptist Church of Van Holstein. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. Amen. Well, I love to worship with you. I love that we can together uh, lift up the name of Jesus. Uh, we can together proclaim the gospel in song. Uh, and uh, just want to remind you, while you may not be familiar with the words to each of the songs that we uh, sang or that we sing on any given week, um, I would encourage you to contemplate what we are singing. Those of us who maybe are more familiar, it's easy for us to fall into the trap of just kind of mindlessly uh, mouthing some words. Um, we always want to truly, with our hearts, enter into worship. Uh, and even when you maybe aren't as familiar with the song, uh, you can be gripped by the truth that we are singing. And uh, it's so important to us that in our worship, we continue to be a church family that is biblically based, that is Christ-centered and gospel-driven. And so I'm, I can't think of a better place to be on a cold Sunday morning uh, in January of 2022. Uh, hard to believe, right? Uh, been a crazy couple of years, hasn't it? Um, I, in fact, I was uh, reading the first chapter of a book that I was able to download. It's one that's coming out, written by Ben Stewart. Those of you who are Aggies, you'll recognize that name. Um, ben Stewart's got a book coming out called Rest and War, and in the first chapter of that book, he uh, uses this statistic to kind of make his point that between August of 2020 and February of 21. Um, anxiety and uh, depressive disorders increased to nearly 50%. Nearly 50%. Um, I'm not in any way minimizing um, mental health issues this morning by any stretch. I know it's a very complex issue, um, and sometimes we preachers can be guilty of kind of oversimplifying things and making it sound like there's just some sort of a magic button that you push and all these things will go away. That's not the point of this morning's message. Uh, I think we all know, and we've all on some level or another experienced uh, over the past couple of years, particularly uh, maybe some fear uh, because of uncertainties related to a job maybe or what the future holds, uh, some anxiety, uh, just a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of uh, crazy mixed information. And one of the things that people seem to be struggling with the most in this season is who in the world can we trust, right? And when there's a lack of trust, that, that breeds uh, more anxiety uh, and naturally more fear and those sorts of things. Those are not political statements, by the way. Uh, it's just the reality of where we are living right now. And I have to wonder this morning, uh, have you ever been so worried about something that you couldn't sleep. I think most of us would have to say at one time or another, to one degree or another, we've experienced that. I mean, a sleepless night, and it wasn't, wasn't necessarily because you drank a cup of coffee too late in the evening. It's because you're just, your mind just won't stop. I know that that's something I've experienced far too often. And, and I don't mean just for a night or two. I mean weeks or maybe even months. I was in a conversation several years ago with a, a pastor friend of mine who was going through an especially difficult season in his ministry and in his church and had some issues that he was dealing with there. And he became so obsessed and so worried about these issues that for over a month, he was going on about two and a half to three hours of sleep a night. And you could tell. As we were sitting there having a cup of coffee together and we were talking about these things, you could just tell 
In fact, different friends and even some of his staff members would comment to him jokingly that they would get an email from him at 12 a.m. and then they would get a follow-up email by 3 a.m. He knew that he couldn't keep going like that. Uh, He was physically, he was mentally, he was emotionally, he was spiritually exhausted. And Maybe you can identify with that just a little bit. Maybe not to that degree, but, but you just have this sense of, of some form of exhaustion. Some people would simply advise my pastor friend by saying something like, well, he just needs to let go and let God. And that sounds great. Uh, it makes for a nice little, you know, nice little plaque or a poster or something. I'm, I'm not completely sure exactly what that means. I, I mean, I understand the sentiment behind it. Uh, theologically, I would say I'm not sure that we let God do anything. Uh, I'm not sure that that's, that's how it works, but I, I do understand Scripture does tell us that we are to cast all of our cares upon Him, for He cares for us. And sometimes it is certainly a control issue. Some of us are control freaks more than we like to admit. Sometimes it's a control issue, and we have, uh, we have problems kind of relinquishing control of certain aspects of our lives to the Lord. And when it's a control issue, it really is a pride issue, which is fundamentally, of course, a sin issue. There's a difference between being proactive toward a problem that you may be dealing with in your life, uh, something that would concern you even, and being preoccupied with a problem. There's a difference between being active in solving a problem and being anxious that you have one. My friend finally realized that the fundamental issue that he was dealing with was that his priorities were out of order. His priorities were out of order. Last week we talked about the importance of focusing on one thing, and I asked you to prayerfully consider what that one thing might be for you in taking steps toward Christian maturity, in your spiritual formation. For some of you that may mean reading through the the entire Bible in a year. Maybe you've never done that before. Uh, for some of you, it's, it's a different kind of step. Maybe it's taking a deeper dive into Scripture. I know uh, Bart Barber, the pastor at First Baptist Farmersville yesterday evening to his church family posted, he said, for those of you who maybe have read through the Bible in a year, maybe it's time for you to read Galatians for a year. <laughs> and take a deep dive into the book of Galatians and go back and look at the Old Testament texts that are referenced there, maybe looking up words that you've never looked up before, and then determining to live out what you learned there. That may be the case for some of you. Maybe it's time to, to take a bold step, and I, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm asking you to pray about taking a step out of, for some of you, maybe just spiritual mediocrity, maybe a place of spiritual complacency, and a step toward Christian maturity and, and Christian formation. Today we're going to look at another familiar text, uh, one that speaks clearly to our priorities. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 6 this morning in this little two-week series that we've called Turning the Page. Turning the Page. Uh, if you use an electronic calendar like I guess most of us do, and it's time. You've got you to flip over to a new, to new calendar year. If you've got that paper calendar, it's time to, to take it off the wall and get a new one, right? Uh, we have, uh, we've reached that time where we, we turn the page. We thank God for the... The, the, the many things that we've experienced in 2021, uh, both the good and the bad, uh, we're to rejoice in those things. Hopefully we learn from those things, uh, but we look forward with great joy to what God has in store for 2022. So the, the question that really rings out from the text here 
is what is most important. There are a lot of things that we will give ourselves to in the coming year. Most of those things are, are really important. Uh, I mean, you can't just check out, you know. I mean, as much as we might like to sometimes and maybe just do the things that we enjoy and all that, we've got to continue to, as they say today, we've got to continue to adult, right? And you've got to continue to take care of responsibilities. And, and sometimes it's those responsibilities and the weight of those responsibilities that adds some measure of anxiety, you kind of feel the pressure, uh, you know, associated with that. And that's why this last two-year season has really been strange for a lot of people because it's created more uncertainty even in some of those areas. There are not many of us who don't know of someone who lost a job or there was a job change related to uh, the pandemic or it, it just a lot of things, a lot of health issues that uncertainties created there and all those kinds of things. So what I want us to do today is, is understand that when we focus on the wrong things, it leads to a problem that we all have to deal with to one degree or another. It's, it's a problem that we would call, in, in our cultural context, we would call it worry. Worry. It's closely associated with anxiety. And so here in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to pick it up in verse number 25. Most of our Bibles have some sort of a heading there that says, Do not be anxious. Said another way, don't worry. Don't worry. And so uh, it, we pick it up in verse 25, and it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33 is key. But seek first. Of first importance. As a matter of priority. But seek first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these less important things, as important as they may be, they really are fundamentally secondary to what's most important. That is, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So in what is arguably the greatest sermon ever preached here, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount, the single longest section of that message deals with anxiety, deals with worry. So Jesus says in verse number 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. I think it's amazing that Jesus pointed out that people worried about things 2,000 years ago just like we worry today. It's not as if this is something that is exclusive to us in our cultural context. 
Like suddenly in the last couple of years, everybody just started kind of worrying about stuff. This was something that Jesus addressed in his day to the audience that was there on that hillside listening to him preach this sermon. Don't be anxious about your life. And then he goes on to say, what you will eat, what you will drink, not about your body, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, few of us have to worry about having something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear. Despite what we often say. Okay? Only here in America can you be standing in a closet full of clothing and say, I don't have anything to wear. Right? I'm not picking on you ladies, but... I said it, okay? I just, I did. I, and I, but I've said the same thing. I've said, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't. Few of us have to worry about those kinds of things. And even though there are certainly people who are struggling with those issues, and though I am certainly not denying that there are those who deal with hunger on a regular basis, that is simply not the experience of most of us. And so maybe you can easily dismiss these statements. When we say, let's face it, when we say I'm starving to death, what does that really mean for most of us? That means I hadn't had much to eat in the last two to four hours. That's what that really means. Okay? So, so we, we, we really don't have to worry about those kinds of things. But we do still worry about the issues of life. We worry about mortgage payments, and we are concerned about a, a job, and we're concerned about health insurance, and how we're going to pay for college, and a myriad of other things. We worry about the issues of life. And Jesus does mention something in verse number 25 that I believe people worried about 2,000 years ago and also worry about today, and that's our body. Everybody is born with this kind of self-consciousness of how they look and how they appear to others. Some uh, to a greater degree than others. I don't know about you, but I, I've, I've known a couple of people over the course of my life who I, I really felt like they did not care what anybody thought about them. Like, wow. <laughs> and in some ways, I think that must be kind of freeing, right? But at the same time, the vast majority of us, to one degree or another, we actually do care what people think of us, how we look, and how we appear to others. Paul Harvey one time told the humorous story of an old guy that he knew who put braces on his false teeth just so he could appear younger. I mean, people will do all kinds of things, spend all kinds of money, all in an effort to, to get a new look. And it's not uncommon during this time of the year especially. You know, like people are posting things about new year, new me, and we've made resolutions. And, and many of those resolutions are connected to our physical appearance, whether it's to, to lose a few extra pounds or, or whatever the case may be. We were looking at some old pictures the other day at home, and I was amazed at this guy in these pictures who had dark hair. And I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I jokingly, I jokingly tell the lady who cuts my hair, I'm like, hey, don't put quite so much gray in this time, okay? Uh, it's just part of life. I mean, the truth is we're all getting older, right? And some of us don't like what we see when we look in the mirror. And so this was, was a common thing even in, in Jesus' day. There were those who, with certainty, they were anxious about those kinds of things. They were concerned about those types of issues. Um, but then notice what it says in verse number 34. There's one thing in particular that most of us worry about, we think about, that concerns us, that maybe even stirs up some anxiety in us, that plays with our mind, and that is our worry about the future. Because the fact is, the future is uncertain. 
One of the things that I do at this time of year is I start setting up my calendar for the coming year. And I've already got some pretty important things on my calendar for 2022. And so I'm making plans. I'm, I'm strategizing. I'm, I'm doing a number of different things. We've got some uh, important meetings coming up with, with our staff team here. Just a, a lot of things I'm working on. And so while I can make those plans, I cannot stand here this morning with 100% certainty and tell you this is how it's going to go. I don't know that with 100% certainty. Because none of us knows with certain what tomorrow holds. It wasn't that many weeks ago that I got up on a, what I thought was a regular morning. I had kind of gone through part of my morning routine and everything, only to discover that my dad had had emergency surgery down in McKinney. That changed everything. Not just about that day, but it changed everything about the next three or four weeks as I tried to, to provide care for my dad. I didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming. And probably all of us could look back over the previous year and we can see some times like that where we would go, whoa, didn't see that coming. Life sometimes comes at you fast, doesn't it? I mean, it's like a sucker punch. And so one of the things that, that creates some anxiety for most of us on some level or another is the future itself. What does it look like? And so in verse 34... He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Now, he's not just talking about the next 24 hours, I don't believe. I do believe he's talking there uh, really about the future itself. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We often allow the clouds of tomorrow to cover up the sunshine of today. I'm going to tell you something that you already know. But if you want to live a life that is largely unproductive and unhappy then you will commit a lot of your time and energy, emotional energy, mental energy, to worrying. To worrying. Jesus does us all a big favor here. He evaluates the reason that we often worry. He then eliminates the cause of worry and elevates us above worry. First, he's going to give us kind of the negative side of the problem. And then he's going to give us the positive side of the solution. He is determined to eliminate worry. Three times in this passage that we just read, in verses 25 and 31 and 34, he says, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. The Greek word for anxious, or what we would call worry, is actually a combination of two smaller words. One word means to divide, and the other word means the mind. So to worry is to have a divided mind. If you've ever uh, had an opportunity to speak in front of people, maybe to teach a class or anything like that, one of the things that you will often say to students is, I want your undivided attention right now. Now, you seldom get it, especially today, because uh, there's just so many things. I mean, it's like... You know, grabbing for our t and even in a worship service, I get it. Some of you right now, you're, you're probably thinking more about what you're going to eat for lunch than you are about the message that I'm preaching at the moment. Okay, you're, you're thinking about the cowboy game at three something this afternoon, or you could be thinking about a bunch of other things. Some things, legitimate things to think about. But the truth is, many times, the reason that we stay paralyzed, especially in our Christian journey, is because we have a divided mind. You ever been talking to somebody, maybe, uh, you know, there's this phenomenon called multitasking. And some of you are better at it than others. 
But if, have you ever been on the phone with someone or in a conversation with someone and you can just tell that they are doing or they're thinking about something else? I mean, I, I've been in phone conversations like that where I'm like, I'm not sure that they're really paying attention to me. I'm pretty sure that they're doing something else while they're talking to me on the phone. And, and especially now that we have all this hands-free stuff and everything. I mean, you can be doing a lot of stuff while, while you're talking to somebody on the phone. And so you just want to say, would you, would you please get off your computer? Would you please get off your phone for just a minute and talk to me? Give me your undivided attention. A divided mind always leads to diminished performance. So how do we stop worrying? One thing that we know doesn't work. You ever been worried about something and maybe you confide in a friend and you tell them that and they say something like, well, you just need to quit worrying about it. I don't know about you, but that rarely ever helps me. In fact, when I am truly worried about something and I tell someone about it and they tell me to just quit worrying, you know what it does? It makes me worry about them. Okay? So Jesus does something here that is so counterintuitive, it's almost unbelievable. He does something that no psychologist would recommend. He said, one of the ways to quit worrying is this, become a bird watcher. Wait, what? Become a bird watcher. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus said, take a lesson from the birds. They sing, they chirp, they fly, they build nests, but they don't worry. They don't, they, they don't know that they have a God in heaven who takes care of them, but we do. There's a lot that you can learn from the birds about what not to do. Which, by the way, have you ever heard the expression, he or she eats like a bird? Okay, we usually say that in reference to someone who doesn't appear to be eating very much, but that's really not the way it works because many birds, they tell us, eat twice their weight every day in food. So I probably do eat more like a bird, okay, than some of you. And what that would mean is that if we really did eat like a bird, we would be consuming somewhere between three and 500 pounds of food a day. Okay, that's, that's totally off the subject this morning, all right? But Jesus takes us from watching birds then to doing math. In verse 27, he says, And which, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So if I just sit and worry about it, will I get more time on this earth? And this is one of the things that I, I, I struggled with early in my diagnosis, now 25 years ago as a type 1 diabetic. Uh, man, they tell you all these things that diabetes will, will do to your body and how it impacts, you know, your different organs and all these things. And it's, it's pretty concerning. I mean, you really start thinking about these things. And so I can remember checking my blood sugar and it being too high. It's out of range. And so I'm like, and, and I was prone to worry about it. But you know what I discovered? Worrying about my blood sugar never brought it into a normal range, ever. I shared that one time at a support group, a diabetic support group, and it was just like this freeing thing. I mean, I, sh I, mean, I, I shared scripture uh, in this support group, and this lady came to me, and she goes, I've just been paralyzed with fear, like, and I'm just obsessing over some of these things. And so what Jesus is saying here is this, this anxiety, this worry that you're giving yourself to, it's really not adding any value. It's really not going to help the situation. You wish you weren't so short? Worry about it. That'll make you taller. You wish you weren't overweight? Well, worrying, it's not going to help you lose a pound. 
You wish you had more time? Worrying will not give you another minute. Worry has never made a bad thing good or a good thing better. It just doesn't. And if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to write down two statements, two things that you should never, ever worry about. Number one, never worry about the things that you can change. Never worry about the things that you can change. That makes sense, doesn't it? If you're worried about something that you can change, how about instead of worrying about it, change it. Change it. And number two, never worry about the things that you can't change. That makes sense too, doesn't it? Because worrying is not going to change something that you can't change, and if you can't change it, then why worry about it? Except for the things that you can change and the things that you can't change, then I would invite you to worry about everything else. Now, Jesus gets down to the root problem of worry here. I want you to notice, first of all, the problem, and that is, fundamentally, he says it's a lack of faith. Now, again, this is where you may check out and go, Pastor, you've just oversimplified this thing. If you only knew my situation, if you knew my life, if you knew my circumstances, you know, I'm just, this is what Scripture says right here, verses 28 through 30. And why are you anxious about clothing, he says? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then notice what he says next. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. So he's talked about the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, and he boils this whole problem down fundamentally to one thing. It is a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. And then it's almost as if uh, he, he goes even deeper in verses 31 and 32. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Fundamentally, here's what he's saying. You know what worry is? Worry is practical atheism. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you ever find yourself worried about something that you don't believe in God. Okay, but often we live practically as if God doesn't exist. Okay, and we do that more often than we would like to acknowledge or admit. I know I've been guilty of it many times. And so when I'm, I'm given, I'm obsessing over something, I, I, I'm given to worry about it, I am fundamentally saying I, I'm living as if God doesn't exist. Let, let's make it a little more simple, like A, B, C, and D. A, there is a God. B, that God is sovereign and in control of my life. C, that God loves me and cares for me. And so D, why worry? Why worry? And I'm not suggesting that the Lord Jesus is telling me we should just have a flippant attitude or we should never find ourselves concerned about something. Or I mean, the Bible tells us that we're to help bear one another's burdens. We're to cast our burdens onto the Lord. And so I'm not suggesting that if you have burdens this morning or things that have you concerned, I'm just saying if you're obsessing over those things, in an unhealthy way, that's concerning. That's not just concerning to me. That's concerning to the Lord Jesus here. Do not be anxious. So the bottom line reason why we obsess and worry over certain things is because we either don't believe there is a God, or if we do, we don't believe He is really sovereign and in control of our lives, or if we do, we don't believe that He cares. Otherwise, there's no need to worry. 
Jesus has spent all of this time and all these verses talking about the problem from a negative standpoint. Now, what is the solution from a positive standpoint? I want you to notice number two, really simple. The solution is proper focus. Proper focus. Verse 33, the one that you're probably most familiar with in this text, says, but. Conjunctions in Scripture are always important. Don't ever think that little words like that are not important. Because typically what it means is, in contrast to, as opposed to, as a result of. Okay, so if you think of it that way, it takes on a whole new meaning. Okay, instead of all this worry and this anxiety and obsessing over some of these things that really you ultimately do not have control over, instead, seek first of first priority, of first importance, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The operative word, the most important word in that entire section is the word first. Are you ready for this? The solution is simply putting first things first. It's about our priorities. So I, I, I've saved what we would maybe call the key takeaway for this morning's message to this last part of the message because this is what I want you to leave here with today. The key takeaway is this. Proper priorities promote peace. Proper priorities promote peace. So if the title of last week's message was one thing, then the title of this morning's message is first thing. First things first. First things first. First responders will tell you that when they come up on the scene of an accident or whatever, there, there are certain things that when they first come up on the scene that are a priority. First things first. EMTs. Any, anybody in an emergency situation. I mean, there may be many other things that you could deal with in that moment, but, but you realize those things become secondary to the things that are most important, to first things. And I think one of the reasons that we tend to give, give in to anxiety and fear and worry and all those things is because we're not focused on that which is most important. When you're focused on the right things, you won't be worried about the wrong things. And Jesus says there are two things that you ought to stay laser-focused on in your life every day. His kingdom and His righteousness. His kingdom and His righteousness. So to put it another way, I am to focus on, number one, God's rule over my life, and number two, God's righteousness in my life. God's rule over my life, God's righteousness in my life. Now let me tell you what I mean by focus. I'm not talking about focusing just with your eyes, as important as that is. I'm talking about focusing with your heart. And here's the difference. Focusing with your eyes involves seeing. Focusing with your heart involves surrender. Surrender. There's a difference. Now, sometimes you do need a change of scenery, as we sometimes say. You ever been in one of those, I know there have been, too many times in my life where I got pretty full of myself and I'm thinking that my problems are bigger than everybody else's problems and why am I having to deal with this? I mean, I've been trying to be a good guy and I've been trying to be a faithful pastor and I'm still having to deal with these sorts of things and I'm just like, you know, you're just constantly wanting to throw a pity party for yourself and, and all that. So what you need many times is a change of perspective. So God's always faithful to, to show me, hey, you think that you've got it bad. You think that your situation is unique. 
and, and that you're dealing with things that nobody else in this world is dealing with. Let, let me show you this person's story right quick. Or all it would take is a quick trip to visit someone in the hospital or in the nursing home. And suddenly I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. My, my situation looks a little different now. So you do need that change of, of focus. You need that change of perspective. But the focus that we're talking about here involves surrender. And so we're going to distill Jesus' sermon down to really one sentence. Surrender your worries and focus on His will. It, it, proper priorities promote peace. Misplaced priorities multiply worry. So no matter what you say your priorities are in life, what you worry about is really your priority. So if you're worried more about making money than you are with spending time with your children, you may say your priority is your family, but it's really not. If you're worried more about buying that brand new whatever than you are about biblical stewardship, then you may say your priority is God's work, but really it's not. If you're worried more about how to cover up a sin than you are of repenting of it, then you may say you are concerned about being right with God, but really you're not. Every day, our first priority should be His rule over our lives and His righteousness in our lives. And guess what happens? When you focus on His will, He takes care of those other things. And again, I'm not suggesting this is some kind of a magic button. Okay, but look again at verse 33. But seek first of first importance, of first priority, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these secondary things... All these secondary things will be added to you. So here's the conclusion, verse number 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, look one way at a time. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then live one day at a time. Meet today's problems with today's strength. Don't start trying to tackle tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. God gives you strength to face today. And so it goes back to this fundamental illustration that we've used multiple times. One of the reasons that God's Word tells us clearly multiple times to guard our hearts. Scripture says it this way, guard your hearts for out of it flow the issues of life. Okay, what that means is guard your passions. Guard your priorities. Guard those things. Be cautious about what you fall in love with. That's where priorities ties into this whole thing of worry and anxiety. What is your priority? And here's the fundamental thing. Your passions will determine your priorities. You may think that's not true in your life, but I guarantee you it is. The things that you are most passionate about are the things that you will invest the most in. The things that you are most passionate about is where you will spend the majority of your time, the majority of your resources, the, more, the, the majority of your energy. You will be, I always say it this way, people will fundamentally do what they really want to do. I've heard people tell me they don't have time to do certain things for the Lord, and yet they've got all kinds of time to do other stuff. I'm like, the problem for you is not that you don't have enough time the problem is you love other things more than you love this thing. And that's really fundamentally true for all of us. There was a period of time in my life where my greatest love, 
My greatest love was the game of basketball. There's nothing wrong with basketball. It's a great game. I still love the game to this day. I love watching the game. Okay, I, I can see the move. I can't do the move anymore, but I, can, I'm, I, I love it. But there was a point in, my point in time in my life where that was what I loved the most. It was what I was most committed to. I could literally, I mean, to the exclusion of other things. To the exclusion of other things. And so it had become what I was most passionate about. And so I would try to spend as much time as I possibly could doing what I was most passionate about. And the same thing is true for all of us. Those things that we are most passionate about is where we will spend our money, where we'll spend our time, where we'll spend our energy, all those things. And so that's the heart of the matter that Jesus is getting to here. What do you love the most? What is most important to you? What is of first importance? And he says very clearly, you better make certain it's the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Kingdom of God and His righteousness. Because here's the thing. While your passions determine your priorities, your priorities ultimately will determine your path. So it's almost like when you, when you, when you pick up your phone and you use your GPS or whatever, you're going to put a destination in there, right? Okay, well, your destination many times, uh, we could liken that to what we're most passionate about. That's where I'm going to go. And so it's going to determine your priorities. I want to get there the quickest. I want, I want to get that. I want to, I want to do whatever it takes to get there. I want to get to that destination. And so it determines your path. So really, while this is a section of Scripture where the Lord Jesus obviously addresses anxiety and worry and all those things, this is really a passage about priorities. And as we turn the page to a new year, I think we could all be challenged today. What is your first priority? A lot of other things really important. Make no mistake about it. Your relationships are important. Your job is important. Your, all, all those things are important. But what must be most important is that we are seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. His rule in my life. His righteousness in my life. So if we could for just a moment bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. In this few moments of decision today, I'm asking you to take a hard look at your priorities. What are those things that are most important to you. Because misplaced priorities often leads to fear and worry and anxiety. And those things can grip us, grip our soul. So will you join me today in praying 
we as individuals, as families, as a church family would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That we have a laser-like focus on that which is to be most important. If you're here today and you are not certain about your relationship with the Lord, maybe you would describe yourself as seeking maybe spiritually wandering. And there's hope for you. That hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The only way that you can possibly be in a right relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. It's not going to come through some New Year's resolution. You'll only find yourself in a right relationship with God when you acknowledge your sin and by faith receive the gift of salvation that's provided for us through the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to be in a right relationship with you. Lord, your word even tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Lord, I pray that you would help us here at the start of a new year to make certain that we prioritize that which you prioritize. That of first importance, of first priority, we would seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Lord, we thank you that your word tells us you'll not leave us, forsake us. That you know the things that we have need of. And so, God, we trust you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.